my name is Nicole Van Duren, and I am an alcoholic. Hi. My sobriety date is January 20th, 2011. Uh, my sponsor is Kim R., and I have a home group, which is a Tuesday night women's meeting. I'm honored to be here tonight, and thank you for having me. And thank you especially to all the ladies in our group that traveled out here to see me speak. Thank you. Um, I'd like to welcome the newcomers, because you are the most important people in this room, and we have all been new ones. Um, just want to let you know you never have to take a drink again if you don't want to, and there is a solution. Um, as I mentioned, January 20th, 2011, for those of you who can't count, I just took eight years. <laughs> I never like doing the math on dates either, don't worry. Um, also, congratulations to the chip takers. Uh, you also don't ever have to take a drink again if you don't want to. I got a little confession. I've never worked a perfect program. Yeah, it just doesn't exist. It's not out there. It's all in God's time. And um, I, the only thing I actually really do the best is that I don't drink no matter what. I just don't take a drink. So... Um, I'm just playing in a general way what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like today. I was born in Mission Viejo Hospital, not too far from here, and this is actually my old stomping ground. Um, I don't go to meetings down here <laughs> because of all the wreckage of my past, and I'm fairly certain I might still owe someone in a meeting that I see in amends. Fair game. That's okay. But um, I'm equipped today to deal with that if it comes. Just saying. If I own any of you of amends, let me know. <laughs> um, my parents divorced when I was two, and they both remarried when I was four. Uh, so I had my mom and my stepdad, my dad and my stepmom. And uh, it wasn't too bad, A, because I was too young to understand, and B, because it doubled everything. It doubled holidays, it doubled presents, it doubled love. It wasn't, wasn't too bad, but um, no matter how much my family loved me, it just always felt different on the inside. People couldn't see it. Like, I had a nice face, and everything was happy and fine and dandy, but on the inside, I just felt like I never really connected. Um, I felt like just something was never really complete. So uh, I remember when I was young, I used to sit little sneak little sips of wine and go to the family outings and and everything and just take those little sips and I loved loved the way that it felt it made me feel nice and warm all the way down my throat and esophagus and have and it was the adrenaline rush really because I would be sneaking around and I would take these little sips and then I'd run away and I think I did something really really bad and um I just I love that I love that feeling it never really went away. I still kind of love that feeling. I just don't drink or act on it today. Um, <laughs> when I was 10, I remember this sleepover that I had. And it was really my first head change. The, the first time I ever really took something in my body and felt different. And I remember that we ha had um, liters of Mountain Dew. And we chugged them in this sleepover. And then I was up. 
and I was on fire, and I was ready to go, and I was running around and running around and running around, and then I crashed, and I fell asleep. And I woke up, and I was like, man, I got to do that again. That was like the coolest thing ever. And I was 10. Like, so I don't know if that's normal, but uh, that was me. I was 14 was my first drunk of E&J Brandy. Um, I got pretty tore up, and I... Personally, I'm not going to tell the rest of that story because the rest of that is uh, shared in women's groups only. Uh, some, things, some things you men just don't need to know. Let's go ahead and skip that. But uh, I will tell you how it made me feel. I immediately became prettier. I became funnier and sexier and all the other errs. It just opened me up. And um, I was an overall better version of myself. I felt like I finally belonged. I'll never forget that. Um, I graduated in 2005, planned to attend Saddleback College, but quickly figured out that I didn't have to attend the classes to get drunk on the campuses. <laughs> so I worked in the day and partied at night, and I attended college. Um, just the parties. They were great. I started dabbling in some outside issues. Um, but I, I always came back to alcohol, and uh, 2005, I went on a graduation trip to Australia, and this really set it off. This, you know, got drunk in Australia, we went to New Zealand, and then I came back, and um, come to find out, a, a mosquito bit me while I was out of the country, and it sent a virus to the base of my brainstem, and uh funny story. funniest part about that is I, I had just quit those outside issues um, but like five days before it put me in a coma. And, and it was a virus. And um, suddenly it's my brainstem. Anyways, I was in the hospital for a few weeks and it had caused, caused viral encephalitis. It was swelling of the brain and um, serious pain. Like somebody was taking a hammer and just hitting my head with it. And when I got out of the hospital, I drank just to numb the pain because I didn't want to feel it anymore. And it just became a way of life. It was habitual like anything else. Wake up, brush your teeth, drink. That was just how it was. And um, self-medicating. By this time, I had lost almost all of my friends. I tried all the things that they say in the big book. Switch from Jack to vodka. Um... I never really liked beer, but <laughs> just wanted to numb that reality. And it came into 2006, and that was a really, really crappy year for me personally. I was 18, and I got my first DUI. Um, I was underage drinking, and somebody tried to get in my car that night, and I had told them, you know, I'm pretty drunk. I don't think you should get in my car in case I get in an accident. Sure enough, I get into an accident. And I'm lucky I didn't kill myself or anybody else. But um, I met with my attorney, and he said, you need to go to an AA meeting. So that's what I did. I was here on a court card for the very first time. I was 19 years old, just so that I didn't have to do jail time. Um, I attended my first AA meeting in the back of Lake Forest Lanes. Didn't know they had AA meetings there, and I will never forget the color of that carpet. It was this god-awful blue and red and geometric shapes. And, I mean, the whole point of this part of the story is that I couldn't look anybody in the eyes. 
I, I just looked down the whole time because I was so ashamed. The guilt, shame, and remorse that the big book talks about, I had it. So um, for anyone that's young in this program, as I said, I was 19. Anybody that's young in this program, I urge you to get connected with, it's called WIPA, Young People of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, they really showed me how to have fun in sobriety. And we actually got connected, and it was a big fellowship, and we just did stuff. We would go out on holidays, and we would go to Knott's Berry Farm or go to go to the big amusement parks, and it, we actually had a lot of fun. And um, I was sober from 2006 to 2008. I got stuck on the fourth step. Everybody says, four step's this big deal. I thought it was a big deal. I wasn't ready to look at myself. And... Um, Eventually, it took me out. In 2008, I went out and because I was defenseless against the first drink, and I will not forget that time where I was standing with my roommate at one of his co-worker's wedding, and they passed out the champagne, and I just held it up. I wasn't going to take a sip, just held it up, pretending to toast. And then the thought, the instant thought went through my mind, I'm not going to be able to drink at my own wedding. And immediately said, cheers and took that first sip. And I was off and running again, another year and a half, where I picked up my second DUI. And the court, state of California, doesn't really like that. So um, I got sent to a program this time. And it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I could no longer control and enjoy my drinking. It got to a point where I was drinking to live and living to drink. Uh, blackout or pass out every day. And that's how I went to bed. Um, if I wasn't drinking while asleep, I wouldn't sleep. So um, I was 22 years old and on informal probation, lost my job, couldn't afford rent. It's like the backwards cowboy song where you get everything. And, um, so I went to Nancy Clark's, and I, it's a true story. I tried to self-sabotage. I drank a whole bottle of wine that morning because they wouldn't take me if I was drunk. Lo and behold... I tested clean, and they had to take me. <laughs> so it was, it was actually fairly funny because I tried to not go in there as much as possible, but, you know, God had a different way for me. So um, January 19th, 2011 was the last time I had a drink. That was that whole bottle of wine. And uh, my sobriety date is now the 20th, January 20th, 2011. So when I came in this time, I was broken totally broken, ripped down, and uh, absolutely willing. So I did whatever it takes to, uh, to stay sober because I was just, I was done. And eventually I got a job at a detox. Anybody wants to stay sober and they're new in sobriety, get a job at a detox because it reminds you of everything that you don't want to go back to. I think it was about the fifth person that I saw sees in front of me. I got down on my hands and knees, so God, please relieve this of me. I don't want to go back. And um, pretty much from that day, I just got goosebumps, because uh, pretty much from that day, I haven't wanted to drink or do a drug. Um, God relieved that of me, from me. So um, I got into a relationship about a year, sobriety this time, with a sober guy, a sober guy and that didn't work out. And... Um, a few months after, my husband, who's my husband now, hit me up on Facebook. And um, mm -hmm, 
Yeah. Turns out I knew him, but I didn't know I knew him. He asked, do you know me? And I said, nope, because I was in that car accident when I was 18. I had no memory of who he was. He was my first kiss when I was 12. Can't make this stuff up, right? And um, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know you. And uh, we've been dating ever since. But the funniest part about it is that I went off and um, I was doing my first stuff again. And it was sponsored direction that I did not get into a relationship. So I said, okay, I'm not going to date you. You can be friends, but I'm not going to date you. And um, he asked me like six times. I, I say six. He says nine. He, he swears that I turned him down like nine times. But um, it was about six times. And then a few months later, I finished my fourth step, did my fifth with my sponsor. She's like, okay, you can date him. I'm like, yeah. Want to be my boyfriend? He's like, finally. <laughs> We've been together ever since. And um, he's never known me drunk. He's seen me drunk, except for that time when we were 12, we did sneak sips of champagne at that wedding. Um, but he's never had to see me crazy. So I was, um, we were married in June of 2015 and uh, pregnant in April 2015. Those know you who know your dates, I got pregnant before we got married. Um, <laughs> and... I had stepped away from AA because I thought I had the life. I had this down. I no longer wanted to drink. I don't need any meetings. Like, I'm good. It's okay. Yeah, I'm an alcoholic, but I just don't have to act on it. And um, he was normie. So we have it in the house. Not a big deal. But, um, I mean, after having our son, who was born January 19th of 2016, blessing because that was the last time I actually had a sip of alcohol was January 19th. What are the odds of that? Um, he was born one day before my sobriety date, but um, after having our son, I went to this depression and my husband looked at me one day and I was just nuts and he looked at me and said, you know what? You are so sick. And it, it hit me like a bolt of lightning and I looked at him and I said, yeah, you know what I really am? I'm an alcoholic, and I haven't been working a program. So um, he had never really known me going to AA meetings and doing the deal and working with others, and, and so it, it was totally new in our relationship, which was fine. It was an adjustment period, but I knew exactly what to do. My feet had been trained. I went to a meeting. I stuck my hand out. I asked for numbers, and I got a sponsor, and um, that was just last year. So seven years of sobriety, I wasn't working a program, but I knew exactly what to do. Walk into a meeting, get some numbers, and get a sponsor, and start getting back into the steps. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was good once again, God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. So if you're new and you don't know what you're doing, you're probably in the right place. Um, stick out your hand. Get some meeting or get some get some numbers. Go to meetings. Get a commitment. Get a home group somewhere that people can see you on a on a weekly basis and get to know you. Get to know your name. And um, I mean, just like all the other cliches that they have in AA, stick with the winners. Be a part of. Take it one day at a time. Just just don't drink no matter what. Um, 
because of this program, I've lived a life beyond my wildest dreams. I got a job, a career. I was in the aerospace industry. Um, I, I was very successful that after the birth of our son. Um, he got sick and I got sick, so I left. And now I'm a stay-at-home mom. Um, my son is three, and he is wild. And I look at him sometimes just thinking like, oh, he might be one of us, but um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that stigma on him just yet. But he he frequently says, more, 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 and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> no, you don't want that. <laughs> um, we also have a really big boxer puppy named Axel. They're very funny together. Uh, my son can't properly say Axel. It comes out like in um, Meet the Fockers. Mm-hmm. I'll let you fill in the blank. Um, <laughs> I have all those things back. We have a beautiful house. I got my license, my car, my family. Um, I'm a daughter. I'm, I'm a mother. And um, I feel really bad for those people, those people, look at me generalizing, everybody else that doesn't have a program where they can be better. Because... I have friends, I've gotten friends in this program that are just irreplaceable and priceless and I can bounce things off of and, and no matter what in this program, we are continuously trying to get better. And I don't know anywhere else in the world that we can find that. Um, as I said, my husband's a normie and he does not have that program. I don't hold it against him, but um, just urge him every once in a while like, hey, maybe you should... Maybe you should do some work on that. <laughs> um, no, I, I love my husband so much. Life, everything in life is not going to be perfect, but even my best day drunk will never come close to my worst day sober. Um, let's get into that solution. I was checking the time to find out. So, today I get a choice. I get to wake up, and for those of you who don't have a God of your own understanding, it can be anything. I tell the girls that I work with, like, walk out to the ocean if you don't have a God of your own understanding and try and make the waves crash. If you can will those waves to crash, then you're probably God. And uh, if you can't, then it's, there's probably a power greater than yourself at play. And you might want to just pray to that God, whatever you think it is. Um, I, I, it was time for me to start working with other, other women again, and I prayed that I would uh, meet a newcomer. And God granted my prayer. Actually, the next day, I can't make this stuff up. Kelly is in my Tuesday night group. I did not go to our group that uh, Tuesday because I was sick. And she called me, and she said, hey, I gave your number to this girl. And I was like, great. She goes, she's going to call you and ask you to be her sponsor. Wonderful. This girl called me without even knowing me, asked me to be her sponsor. And, um, and it's just, once again, God doing for me what I cannot do for myself. Um, that's what I was missing from my program. I was missing that connection with other, peop other people, other women. They say in the program, men stick with the men, women stick with the me women. And, and that's, um, 
It's for a reason. They also say not to date within the first year of sobriety. That's that's a really good standard to live by. Because um, it's probably not going to work out, and that's okay. But, um, that, yeah, that was the part of my life that was missing, was working with other people. Because I was able to freely give back what was so freely given to me. Um, yeah, I, I love this program. I can't stress enough, and I can't thank all of you for being here enough. Because if you hadn't walked the path before me, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be walking this path. And um, I have so much respect for the singleness of purpose in the program. It's not to separate everybody. It's actually to bring them closer together for that common bond. And, um, you know, call it divine intervention. Bill and Dr. Bob divinely met and created this program with a bunch of other people at the right time. And this was back in the 1930s and 40s where it all came together. And they really didn't know what they were doing. They were just kind of winging it. But um, we still follow that same program today. And it's just, it's absolutely mind-boggling to think about that. Because when you think about the 30s and 40s, I mean, obviously there was prohibition in the early, late 20s, early 30s. And then there was an influx of drunks. Because first it was illegal. It made it illegal and everybody went crazy, right? And um, just think that a program that started so long ago can still be followed to a T and still work and there is a solution is amazing to me. So, um, still got 15 minutes. All right. Let's get back into that solution. <laughs> um, when I first got here, I really didn't know what I was doing. I walked in and uh, it was actually my boss that had ushered me to come to a meeting after I got my DUI because I didn't have a car. I was taking the bus everywhere that I could go. And um, he knew that I had to walk to the bus station, but I was in high heels. So he said to me, because I was his personal assistant, he goes, um, hey, there's this meeting that I have. And I was checking his list. I said, no, no, there's no meetings that you should be going to. Um, you're done for the day. You can go home. And he goes, no, there's, there's one. Why don't I take you? And I'm like, oh, okay. So we hopped in the Mercedes, and he drives me down to Laguna Beach. And uh, we went to the Laguna Canyon Club, and that was my first meeting. He said, why don't you have a seat? And on the way there, he goes, um, hey, I noticed that you had a bottle of Jack in your desk. <laughs> I was like, yeah, about that. I, it was in my purse, but I walked, so I couldn't leave it in my car. He goes, yeah, I know you drink. He goes, I know that you're on a court card. He goes, why don't you get that out and place it in the basket? And he took out a $20 bill, and he put it in the basket next to it. He said, that'll cover you. I looked at him like, what? <laughs> Why did she put a $20 bill in the basket? But um, forever I thought that it was like $20 to have a meeting. Not even going to lie. <laughs> no, he cleared it up very quick. He goes, no, it's only a dollar, but, you know, I just, I give what I can. And um, it turns out that he had been sober for nine years, and I had no clue. And um, I immediately identified. It wasn't even a question, like, 
yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And before, I remembered, like, in the bar when somebody who was drinking more than I would would turn around and say to me, like, you ever think you're an alcoholic? I'd say, yeah, let me show you how much I can drink. And then I would proceed to do a shot, and I thought it was cute and funny and just laughed it off. But really, yeah, I was, and it wasn't that funny that <laughs> I was drinking. Um, yeah, it was just ironic. It was ironic because I identified as an alcoholic in the bar, and I got to an AA meeting, and I had no problem identifying. It was the only difference was I didn't have to drink. Um, in fact, when I had gone out, they always say you have a head full of AA and a belly full of beer. I was actually doing a, a what are those, what do they call it, bar crawls? Like, yeah, I was doing a bar crawl when I had gone out, and uh, I looked at this guy, and I was obviously wasted. I said, hey, Johnny, good to see you. Want to go to the bar with us? And, it, and he goes, um... Yeah, Nicole, I'll see you in an AA meeting. And I was like, oh, that's where I know him. Oh, that guy. <laughs> well, the funniest part about it was I saw him again, and he absolutely know what I was go knew what I was going through. He said, hey, happy to see you back. Welcome back. And he, opened me, he uh, welcomed me with opened arms. He's like, how was it? It's like, yeah, it doesn't get any better. It still doesn't get any better. Um, personally, I had to try it. I had to try it again. But you just don't have to if, you, if, you're, if you're at your bottom. Seth, like you said, the zero step, I was at that zero step. I was at the very bottom of the barrel, and I just I couldn't pick myself back up. So um, I'm good to be done? Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much for uh, letting me share, and uh, happy to be here. Thanks again. <laughs>